Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast, where we use biblical literacy to mend hearts broken from the pain of injustice and inequity and become more just and equitable humans through the spiritual practices of Bible study, prayer, and Sabbath rest. I'm Deanna Mason, your host, and I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. I'm Deanna, your host, and I'm happy to have you here. We're continuing the conversation on prayer this month in the Study, Pray, and Rest community. I am running what is called the prayer practice, and I'm meeting with some beautiful people online on Tuesdays at 12 o'clock noon Eastern time, and also in my home on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time to learn and commune together over a meal and to pray together because we have set aside time to learn more about prayer and as well as make more room in our everyday life to pray. And here's one of the things that I have heard, not necessarily from the group of people that I'm journeying with this month, but in general, I've heard some pushback on time set aside to pray, um, which kind of sounds like these things here. So like, number one, intentional prayer or setting aside an intentional time to pray feels legalistic or like we're getting away from this more free flow of talking with God, you know, throughout my day to a structure that feels legalistic. Like I'm going to pray at this time every day. And it doesn't feel like it's maybe more natural. It doesn't feel relational. Um, It feels more obligatory, you know, and maybe it feels like you're just checking off a to-do list box on your good Christian Uh, idea of what a good Christian does, a good Christian prays. And when I pray, it's like, okay, I've done that for today. I can move on with my day. You know, I completely relate to these pushbacks. I can mentally assent to why those things feel like they do. But I am also an encourager of setting aside intentional times to pray because when we depend on the more free-flowing of praying as I'm inspired or praying throughout my day, praying, you know, as I feel the need to, you know, whatever those things are, they are based upon variables in your, variables in your day, variables in your human limitations, variables in your feelings even. (laughs) One day, maybe you feel like it, one day, maybe you don't, right? These are not necessary things that build a relationship. Now, there are things that can contribute to building a relationship. So if you think about the relationships you have with your family or friends, if you approached your relationships with your family and friends in the same way, you know, as I feel like it, or, you know, it's going to be more organic when we get together, as opposed to putting intention behind getting together you're going to have different results in that relationship. So 
in order to further inspire you in what I believe is an extremely important part of your faith discipline, which is intentional set aside time to pray. I want to revisit what prayer is. What is prayer anyway? You know, maybe revisiting what prayer is can encourage us to pray more. Um, Prayer is the medium through which we communicate and commune with God with God, the medium through which we communicate and commune with God. So who is God? (laughs) I know that you probably know who God is, but this past week I have been praying through the Lord's prayer. And one of my prayers to God was to know him as a father, to uncover more of that side of his character, God, knowing him as God, my father. And that has inspired me learning about the different names of God in the Bible. How did his people know him? And I just want to read a few of these. I have a, um, a list of them in front of me. I'm not going to read them all, but just listen to who the people of God in ancient history knew look listen to how they knew him adonai the lord my great god and the way they applied that is god is the master and majestic lord god is our total authority so praying to god the lord my great god the master in total authority. The next one, L, E-L. They knew him as L, the strong one. He is more powerful than any false God. God will overcome all obstacles. We can depend on God. I cannot pronounce this one. L-L-O-A-Y-Israel. I'm not saying that correctly. L L O A. Then there's a Y in Israel after it. Why Israel? God, the God of Israel. The God of Israel is distinct and separate from all false gods of the world. This is how the Israelites knew God. And this is also how those that did not follow God knew God. They knew that the God of Israel was different because the God of Israel engaged with his creation, with his people. And this is how they began to know him as a result of the deliverance of the Israelites from the Egyptians. So the, 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 the plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea and how God cared for Israel in the wilderness, the people outside of the Israelite nation heard of this God and they knew that the God of Israel was distinct and separate from all false gods of the world. El Elyon, the most high God. God is the sovereign God in whom we can put our trust. El Elyon has supremacy over all false gods. Do you see this theme? We have false gods, things that have zero power, zero authority, things that people put their trust and belief in, in order to um, help them or save them or protect them whatever those things are, they could be 
um, literal idols of gods, or they could literally be um, things like your job, your relationship, your spouse, your children, the money in your bank account, your doctor, things that are in the world that we put more trust in than El Elyon, the most high God who has supremacy over all false gods. He is the God whom we can put our trust. I'll just do a couple more. Elohim, the all-powerful one, the all-powerful, all-powerful creator. God is the all-powerful creator of the universe. God knows all, creates all, and is everywhere at all times. This is the plural version of El. Okay. Elohim. And let me just do one more. Let's see. Let's do Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Just as God provided a ram as a substitute for Isaac, he provided his son Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. God will meet all our needs. This is who God is. This is just some of who he is. And when we pray, we are communing with this God. And so my question is, why in the world would we not want to set aside intentional, purposeful time to commune with the God of the universe? Why would we leave that up to the variables of our day that present themselves to breathe a prayer to the Father? Once again, I am an encourager of praying throughout the day, praying whenever you desire to commune with the Father. But I am also saying, leaving your prayer life up to the undependable variables of your day could contribute to a lack of communing with him as well. Okay. So I wanted to learn about Jesus's prayer life. And I went to the book of Luke earlier this year to just walk through or identify or observe the different aspects of Jesus's prayer life that I could locate in the book. And one thing I will say about the book of Luke is that Luke, when he documented what he documented, Luke was one of the, not one of, Luke was the only gospel writer that did not have an eyewitness account to write from. Okay. So we have Matthew, Mark, and John. They spent time with Jesus. They knew Jesus personally. They watched his ministry and they documented his ministry based on eyewitness accounts from themselves and maybe the people that they were with possibly. Luke wrote his gospel based on the eyewitness account of others. And I just really find it interesting to compare. Um, this is actually something new that I've done because the book of Luke is happens to be the book that we're studying or the students are studying in the school of the new Testament, where I, um, help staff, um, the lecturer that we recently had just started comparing some of the accounts that Luke documented 
to some of the same stories that were documented in another gospel and just the different perspectives that they were even presented. And one of the things I noticed about Luke is that he documented Jesus's prayer life. This was something that I think fascinated him. I think he was very interested in documenting for, you know, those that will read his words, what it, what Jesus's prayer life was reported to have looked like. He pulled those elements out and intentionally inserted them throughout his writings. And I'm like, this was important for Luke to make sure people understood Jesus's prayer life. And I just want to take you through a few observations I've made about Jesus's prayer life, because Jesus is the model of practicing the way. <laughs> the ways of Jesus model for us how to cultivate our relationship with the father. And if we want to learn how to cultivate a relationship with the father through prayer, I think it is important to study Jesus's prayer life. And so I just want to go through one, two, three, four, five scriptures <laughs> In passages, five scriptures or five scripture passages that will help us do that in this episode. So the first one I want to read is found in Luke chapter four, and I want to read verses 38 through 43. Luke chapter four, I am reading out of the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version, just in case you would like to know the translation that I'm reading from. And I'm going to read verses 38 through 43. After leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked him about her. Then he, they asked him, Jesus, about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. Immediately, she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak, he, he meaning Jesus, departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowds were looking for him. And when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues in Judea. All right. So what do we have here? We have Jesus leaving a synagogue and entering into Simon's house. Simon being one of his disciples and his mother, Simon's mother-in-law was sick. They asked Jesus about his mother-in-law probably, hey, can you help out here? My mother-in-law is sick. Jesus heals her. Um, and then many at, in the evening come to him who were sick of various kinds of diseases and some that were possessed with demons and he cured them all. And then at daybreak, he went into a deserted place. All right. So let's just talk about this. I want to bring out the time of day Jesus went to a deserted place. 
it was at daybreak okay so there was a particular time of day that was documented that he actually left to go and he went somewhere to a desolate or solitary place somewhere to be alone okay so we have daybreak the time of day being documented and we also have the what kind of place he went to he went somewhere where he can be by himself okay and now I want to talk about when he did this. He did this after healing Simon's mother-in-law and after healing various kinds of sickness and casting out demons. Um, and after having many people looking for him. All right. Those are the things I want to point out in that passage. And I'm going to kind of summarize some of these or you're going to see some themes as I move through these other scriptures. So the time of day was mentioned. Um, the type of place he went to was mentioned. Um, him being alone was mentioned. And when he decided to pull away was mentioned. Okay. Let's go to Luke 5. I'm going to read through verses 12 through 16. Once when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do choose be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one go. He said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing for a testimony to them. But, but now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. So we see this contrast between many coming to hear him, hear him teach, many come to be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. So once again, we see that there is ministry that has happened. He's come to the city. He healed a leper. Um, other people heard of this, which is probably what happened with Simon's mother-in-law. Other people heard that his, he healed his mother-in-law and they can't run into Simon's house so they can be cured as well. So word gets out about this, the kingdom of God coming in this form of healing. People want to hear him. People want to know him. And he ministers to their need, but he would withdraw to lonely places and pray. Okay. So this is what we can document here. Crowds of people came. Jesus, again, poured out ministry in some way, shape or form, but he also withdrew to a lonely place and he prayed. All right. Now let's go to Luke verse chapter 21. Verse 37. Here we go. 21 verse 37. Every day he was teaching in the temple. Every day he was teaching in the temple. And at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives as it was called. And all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. Okay, so what do we see here? Once again, we see some frequency documentation. Every day, Jesus was teaching in the temple. All right, um, I do want to set this up a little bit because 
at this time, Jesus is moving closer towards his crucifixion. So we might even be seeing a ramping up of his ministry as far as how often he is now ministering. Now we see a documentation that every day he was teaching. And and I'm going to interpret that as Jesus's um, efforts to get as much teaching as possible to to share the kingdom of God with as many people as possible because he knew his days were coming to an, an end in regards to his human dwelling on the earth, right? So each day he was teaching in the temple. And then we also see Luke document each evening he went out to spend a night at a certain place, which the certain place is named here in Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives. Okay. So he would go to a lonely place, which is the Mount of Olives or place to be alone to pray. And then we see in the mornings, people came early to hear him at the temple. So in Luke chapter, I believe it was what we just read in chapter five, people were coming in the evening. Now we see people coming early in the morning to hear him. And we also see that instead of praying at daybreak, he's praying each evening. All right. So we see his rhythm switch a little bit because the needs of the people and the way they needed him switched instead of needing him in the morning. I mean, sorry, instead of needing him in the evening, they now needed him or they were coming to him early in the morning. All right. So we see a rhythm switch and we also see him or we see at least see documentation of the time of day that he prayed switching in order to rhythm with the needs of the people. All right. If for, for you parents out there, does this sound familiar? <laughs> does this sound familiar? How the needs of our children, the needs of our home, as those variables switch and those, the seasons of need switch, the rhythms of our practices can switch in order to make room for those needs. Okay. Jesus knew this is um, the city that he's going to die in. And Luke knows the story. Luke is writing the book of Luke after all this has happened. All right. And we're seeing what he is choosing to document. He's choosing to document where Jesus was. He's choosing to document what was happening with Jesus's ministry. And he's choosing to document the frequency of his ministry and his praying rhythm. I just think it's fascinating. These are the things that he's choosing to put down for others to learn about Jesus. All right, let's go to Luke 22. We're almost there. Luke 22, verse 39. All right. He's back on the Mount of Olives. He came out and went, listen to this. This is Luke, as was his custom. All right, so now we have a practice of prayer away on the Mount of Olives as a custom. He's done this often enough that people know this is what he does, all right? So remember, Luke is not an eyewitness here. This is something that was reported to Luke as someone shared with Luke about Jesus. So as was his custom, Jesus came and went out to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, pray. All right, let's just stop there. 
Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. He went there to withdraw and pray, as was his custom. In verse 41, it says, then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. All right. So he went out to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, as usual. He withdrew in and he withdrew when he got there from his disciples to pray. But here's something very distinct in this documentation. His disciples were there with him. So his disciples could see him. He invited his disciples to also pray. But he also withdrew and his disciples could see him from wherever they were. They can observe him. Okay. Um, I just thought this was very important to see that there were people that Jesus allowed to observe his prayer life. And it just makes me think about how I struggle many times in my home to find like a certain place to pray, like to like close the door and be completely by myself. I don't really have a space like that in my house unless I go out on my patio sometimes that works, but still my family can see me out there praying. I know that the place that I choose to pray in my home, most likely I am being observed. And that could sometimes feel bothersome for us, especially mothers where we don't have a whole lot of time by ourselves when our children are younger or when we're raising children in the home. I, I can see how that could be a frustration and feel like I just can never get by myself. But Jesus, who always had crowds around him, his disciples were always around him. His disciples could observe his prayer life. And I, I just felt like that was so relevant to know that even though he went away to pray, he also allowed his prayer life to be observed. All right. And I want to close here. Luke 11, one. Here we go. He, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That is so amazing to me. Um, riffing off of Luke 22, where he was praying at the Mount of Olives and his disciples were with him. In Luke 11, we see um, the documentation of what is now called the Lord's Prayer. We see Jesus going to his certain place to pray and wherever that certain place was, his disciples were able to observe him, observe him enough to know that how he was praying was different than how they were praying. Because the, you have to understand that these were Jewish people. His disciples were Jewish people. And it was, it would have been common for them to say their liturgical type of prayers in certain times of day. And so they're watching Jesus do what he does. And there's something about what Jesus is doing that they're like, wait a minute, this is different than what we're doing or what I'm doing. And they asked him to teach them to pray. Um, I think in a, in another, I think in the book of, I don't know, one of the other gospels, I want to say it's Mark that um, is actually a particular disciple 
saying, Lord, teach us to pray. But regardless, we see documentation of him teaching them to pray. And just as a little side note, I think it's really important for us to study the Lord's prayer because this is how he chose to teach them to pray. Okay. And maybe that's another episode. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I will um, record an episode on praying through the Lord's prayer, but here are my key observations and takeaways for this very quick scripture study of the book of Luke and Jesus's prayer life. And for this podcast episode, number one, Jesus, the son of God prayed. Jesus being who he was. And I have a whole nother page in this book that I was reading the names of God, I have a whole nother page um, that is dedicated to Jesus in the name names of God. And here's some of the things it says here. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The next one says, Jesus is one with God. Jesus said, I and the father are one in John 10 30. Jesus is eternal. Jesus said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last revelation 1 17. Jesus is omnipresent, meaning Jesus is everywhere. And God placed all things under his Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. G and there's so many more. There's so many more that I have a whole nother page for the Holy Spirit, right? But my point is Jesus, who is all these things, God, one with God, eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, life-giving, Elo Olam, I can't pronounce these words, <laughs> but all the things that he is, he still prayed. He still prayed to the father. Number two, Jesus not only prayed, but he prayed rhythmic, rhythmically. He had a rhythm to it. So he prayed and I, and I always start Jesus's prayer life. At least the documentation of his prayer life is the time that he spent in the wilderness before his ministry. So he started with prayer, then he would pour out ministry some way, shape or form, teaching, healing, um, casting demons out, whatever those things are, uh, performing miracles, and then he would pray. Then he would repeat, pour out some kind of way of ministry, teach, heal, cast out demons, divine miracles, pray, repeat. He had a rhythm of pouring out and spending time with God or spending time with God and pouring out. So that's number two, Jesus prayed rhythmically. Okay. Number three, not only did he pray, pray rhythmically, he prayed often. He, the son of God prayed to God often, often as was his, well, how, how did the scripture say as as was his, not ritual, but as usual, he went out as usual, as was his custom. These are the ways Luke describes Jesus' prayer life. He prayed often, often enough for people to know it was customary for him to do so. Number four, Jesus prayed in the morning. He prayed in the morning many times. That was the time that he would pray. He would get alone in the morning. 
We also see documentation, this is number five, that Jesus prayed in the evening. Um, I think what is significant about the morning and the evening is not necessarily that they're in the morning and the evening, but he has certain times where he knew that he, that were more conducive to his withdrawing. It didn't mean that there still weren't demands for him because many times he had to make the decision to withdraw, even though the crowd was there. Okay. He chose the time of days that were more conducive to withdraw. Okay. Which Oh, well, okay. And then number six, I was about to say another thing, but number six, he prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He also prayed in certain places. Um, I think it's really important for us to identify where our certain places is. I don't care how unsexy these certain places look, but where can you withdraw to pray? I just wrote a blog post um, this past week on finding your certain place. I'll link to it in the show notes, but uh, it's just me um, sharing about some of the challenges I've had in carving out a certain place, but also what my certain places have looked like um, recently or in past seasons. Identifying our certain places will help us in creating the rhythms, because we know when I pray, I go there. This is where I know I can go. All right. All right. Number seven, he withdrew. So he didn't pray just throughout the day while he's doing his task <laughs> or while he's, you know, whatever the things we are doing where we maybe are inspired to pray, or there's something pops up where we need to pray. It, this is not what was necessarily documented about his prayer life. What was documented about his prayer life is that he withdrew to pray. That was that that shows intention. All right. And the last one that I will bring out here, Jesus's prayer life was also observable by those he discipled. So even though he withdrew, his prayer life was still observable by those that were near him. So when you think about these certain places to withdraw to, it may not necessarily be a place where you can close a door and be alone, but it can be a place where you can withdraw a few feet away from the crowd. <laughs> the crowd in my head is just family and pray. And it's okay for your family to observe your prayer life. It's okay for your family to observe your prayer life. I'm not saying there aren't times where you need to just get by yourself without being observed. I get that. But I'm saying Jesus oftentimes prayed in a way that could be observed because it's documented. The only reason why it can be documented if somebody saw him do it. All right. So he would withdraw to certain places, but he was also still within, um, a space proximity to be observed and apparently that was okay all right so if you're listening to this and you're like well Deanna I want to grow my prayer life um, but I'm struggling with inserting times of intentional prayer in order to grow in my communion with the father because why in the world would we not want to commune with the father of the universe. Um, here are some things that I want you to consider. Um, 
consider your desire frequency to withdraw and pray. How frequent do you want to withdraw? Um, do you want it to be daily? Are there certain days of the week that are more conducive to being able to withdraw? Um, see if you can identify the days of the week. If, and like I said, if it can't be daily, which my encouragement is to work up to daily, but consider the frequency that you'd like to withdraw and pray. That's the first thing I want you to consider as a practical step to take. Number two, consider where your certain place can be. And once again, if you need a little help in identifying that, look um, in the show notes and or go to my blog on deanimation.com and find the blog post on finding your certain place and see if that sparks some ideas or um, helps at all. So consider your desire frequency to withdraw, consider your certain place. And the last one, which I just love right now, consider who's observing who's observing and who's observing in a way that maybe they may one day say, will you teach me to pray? <laughs> and that is it. If you have any questions in regards to cultivating a prayer life, just please um, feel free to um, email me, Deanna at DeannaMace.com, or there is a um, section on this podcast episode where you can actually ask a question or um, submit um, a, a verbal question. I invite you to do that. And if there's anything that I can pray with you around, I would love to do that as well. So just reach out to me in either one of those capacities and let me know. And that is it. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We, I will not be publishing next week because I'll be observing Thanksgiving and traveling with my family. But I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And we'll chat soon in my last episode of praying, of, of the prayer practice or the way of prayer um, this month in November. And um, yeah, we will chat soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. Listen, you may have a question after listening to what you heard today, or maybe God spoke something specific to your heart. I'd love to hear it, and I'd love to journey with you around it. If you can just leave a comment on this episode or email me at Deanna at DeannaMason.com. You can join the Study, Pray, and Rest community on Instagram. We're at Study, Pray, and Rest. And don't forget to leave a star rating and review. The more of those we receive, the more people we can put our podcast in front of. Thank you so much for listening and we'll chat soon. Bye for now. Thank you.